and which I pray that we would give with clarity and understanding. Lord, that is the rock upon which we will be able to withstand anything coming our way. And I just want to thank you and praise you and ask that, um, Lord, you touch the hearts of everyone here. In Jesus' name and all God's saints said, amen. amen. Um, Monday morning, I was waking, awoken up by this wonderful verse that our shepherd sent from Maryland, or probably Pennsylvania at that time, maybe. Not sure. But it was so heartwarming and encouraging and so appropriate for tonight's message. Um, it comes out of Isaiah chapter 41, and this is what he texts me 6.30 in the morning. And I thought, wow, this is what I'm going to open up Wednesday night with. It's verse 10, and it says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. And that was a great way to open up or start a Monday morning before I come to work. I just want to read it one more time. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I would uphold you with my righteous right hand. Um, we're living in, in some uncertain times, and there is um, a lot of unrest in our hearts because we don't know what's going to happen. There's a lot of unrest in our mind um, and our soul, and um, when we listen to the news, it just adds fuel to the fire and to the anxiety. There was, there was a particular song be played on a lot of the Christian stations. Um, you may not even know the title or even know any of the words to the song, but you might recognize the melody. But one particular um, verse out of that song, one line is, when did we let hate become ordinary? And that really um, captured my mind and my heart on that one is, wow, I think I know when. It took a long time coming here. But um, I think what you're going to hear in a, in a few seconds is how a slow, methodical working in the change, the culture, the institutions, and the... Uh, just the, the very fabric of this nation has been in planning for a long, long time. There is a document in the congressional records of the United States Congress that anybody can look it up. And reading it, it was amazing how, first of all, it was accomplished, some of these things, but that it is so appropriate for today. There are 45 of these goals in the congressional record. I'm not reading all of them tonight, but I'm gonna to read to you key ones that you'll understand why. And in, in no particular order of importance are these, but I 
I'm going to come on later read two of them that I think is of the utmost importance and why it's changed in this nation. Um, the first one um, that I'm just going to tell you is that's to promote the UN as the only hope for mankind. Well, we know the only hope for mankind is Jesus Christ. But here, they're taking this as the only hope for mankind is to be, promote the UN. Capture one or both political parties in the United States. Get control of schools. Use them as transmission belts for socialism, communism propaganda, soften the curriculum, get control of teachers associations, put the party line in textbooks, infiltrate, infiltrate the press, get control of book review assignments, editorial writing, policy making positions, gain control of key positions in radio, TV, and motion pictures. Eliminate all laws governing obscenity by calling them censorship and a violation of free speech and free press. Break down cultural standards of morality by promoting pornography and obscenity in books, magazines, motion pictures, radio, and TV. Present homosexuality, degeneracy, promiscuity as normal, natural, and healthy. Discredit the American Constitution by calling it inadequate, old-fashioned, out of step with modern needs, a hindrance to cooperation between nations on a worldwide basis. Discredit the American founding fathers. Present them as selfish aristocrats who had no concern for the common man. Discredit or infiltrate and control, take that back. Transfer some of the powers of arrest from the police to social agencies. Treat all behavioral problems as like psychiatric disorders, which no one but psychiatrists can understand or treat. Discredit the family as an institution. Encourage promiscuity and easy divorce. Emphasize the need to raise children away from the negative influence of parents. Attribute prejudices, mental blocks, and retarding of children to suppressive influence of parents. Create the impression that violence and insurrection are legitimate aspects of the American tradition, that students in special interest groups should rise up and use united force to solve economic, political, or social problems. In no particular order are these put in as importance, but the two that I left out from here I think are of the utmost importance that they have accomplished or are accomplishing. Infiltrate the churches and replace revealed religion with social religion. Discredit the Bible and emphasize the need for intellectual maturity, which does not need a religious crutch. And last is eliminate prayer or any phase of religious expression in, in the schools on the ground that it violates the principle of separation of church and state. When, you, when I read these things, and if you heard them, you can understand why um, hate nowadays seems no, so ordinary, along with, well, lies told, lawlessness, and tyranny 
because this has been in the works since 1963. This was in Congress, um, in congressional records in 1963. And I, some of you probably thought I was talking about the things going on today. It's pretty obvious that in some of these things they've succeeded. Um, the things that I'm going to share with you is the biblical teachings on hate and love, lies and the truth, lawbreakers and um, law-abiding, and the tyranny and freedom. Imagine these being taught in schools again, in a biblical truth. Where would this world now then be, or this even this country right now be, as far as with all the uncertainty and all the anxiety, all the um, things that are going on that make us very uneasy and not sure what direction our country is going to go, if we had these rock-solid foundations, again, taught in our families and taught in our schools. Um, hate right now, as many of you know or are on social media and all that, has been overwhelmingly um, going on and building in the last few years. On social media, on the news, in entertainment, in pretty much all of entertainment, even in sports um, competitions, hate has been just tenfold going on. And it is amazing that the Bible predicts this stuff and talks about this stuff as we hopefully are coming to those end times. Um, I want, I'm just going to, I am not going to focus on and teach on all these things that are negative, the hate, the lies, the lawbreakers, and tyranny. But I will give you the biblical verses to look these things up later as you get in your private time. Um, and the hate versus love. There are so many things now in society um, directed towards hate. So many people are emboldened to share their hate because they think they do this in anonymity and that they can boldly and almost as there's a love to be expressing their hate against someone um, is just prevalent throughout and it's disturbing. And this is why I think what's been happening over the decades has allowed hate to become ordinary plus the advance of electronics and expressing your hate all over the place. The, I'm going to give you one verse, read here, biblical verse about hate. And that's in Mark chapter 7. If you'll turn there with me, Mark chapter 7, verses 20 and 23. Verse 20, and he said, what comes out of a man, that defiles a man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, 
covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile a man. That pretty much, that list right there, as abbreviated as it is, really talks about what's going on tonight or today in this world, in this country. The other ones that when you get a chance to look these up on your own, of course you know about Genesis 6-5 and Noah. Um, also, Titus 3.3, 3, and last is Galatians 5.19. These are the biblical expressions of what hate is and what consumes man. But the opposite, love, love in God. And that's where I want to share with you more than just um, writing these verses down. I want to share how God expresses his love defines love, and gives his love. You know the one everybody's got it memorized is out of John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave, gave his only begotten son. You also know 1 Corinthians chapter 13, one of the most perfect chapters on love. But there are others that you may not remember or come to mind readily. And in Matthew Chapter 6, verse 14. Right after the Lord's Prayer, and as he goes through and teaches his disciple how to pray, it should be the disciple's prayer. He says in verse 14, this is an expression of love. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Remember that forgiveness comes from love. That's the amazing thing about what's going on today. As we've seen people canceled, lose their jobs, lose their status in life, um, can't get hired for a new job. What we're missing in, in society now is forgiveness. When was the last time you've heard, seen, or even used the word, forgive me, forgive me for what I've done now today or, you know, in the last few years? I can't remember where I've seen a prominent person or one that's on social media be forgiven because the hate now is so much that there is no forgiveness of a mistake made. Um, we've seen it in sports athletes, in their youth, when they get on in their early teens, when they got social media and said stupid and hateful things. As they got older, these things came back to haunt them. Superstars in the world of sports, in movies, in politics. Yet they don't ask for forgiveness, and none is given, because it is all concentrating on how much hate and how much you want to eliminate this person from ever being known or seen again. You almost, they almost have to dig a hole to bury themselves in so they don't receive that much hate anymore. In Galatians chapter 5, going back to love, Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23, speaking of love,
after the works of the flesh are all listed, which can be part of all of the hate and wickedness of man, verse 22 speaks of, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against such there is no law. We see that lacking the love that's going on right now, there is no self-control. Anything and everything that a person wants to put out there can be seen, can be spread out worldwide, and to never, ever be lost again, it's there floating in eternity. And love brought up in the homes, brought up in schools, brought up in our churches, um, these taught, these things taught, will help guide children, young people, into the moral, righteous, loving care um, that we all want for this world. It's what we desire. It's what we hope for in this country is to gain this love again for mankind and for each other. Last one is 1 John chapter 4, 7 through 11. Man, you got to love 1 John because that is all about love. There is a lot about love in 1 John. Chapter 4, first, verses 7 and 11. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested towards us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world that he might live through, we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another." wonderful, beautiful verse that can make a difference in a young person's life, in an older person's life. Can't be taught but anywhere in here church. And believe it or not, there are some churches that are actually preaching hate. I know it sounds ridiculous and ludicrous, but I actually wouldn't use the word as a church for them. And it's, um, and it's disturbing to say the least. But how, how remarkable and how, what, what would you find wrong if this was spoken in school about this? But it would be suppressed right away. It would be, uh, you would be looked down upon, you would be mocked. And on a social media, that would be, I mean, you just wouldn't be able to go out in public anymore. In this world now where we face lies, and I'll tell you what, lies are growing just as fast and as big as hatred is right now. We know, we see it in our government, that is nothing new for a politician to lie to us. But what changed now, I believe, is the blatant use of lies to try and inform us in one direction, whether it be on social media in the news media, in the newspapers, 
and in with top government officials to brainwash us with direct deceit and lies about what's going on in this country. The biggest one right now, I don't know if you're aware of this, but year, a year ago, pretty close to March a year ago, um, it was expressed that the coronavirus was believed to have been released from Wuhan lab in the area of Wuhan, China. And anybody believing that or expressing that, it was, they were considered a conspiracy, conspiracy theorist, they were lunatics, they were lying, and that it was some, some wet you know, um, market, thank you, or some, from some bats in a wet market that some crossed jumped onto a human, and now this is spread that way. Just as recently as a two, few days ago, a lot of these uh, news media have been backtracking because all evidence is showing that this did come from a lab where they practiced this stuff in Wuhan, where so many people were ridiculed and called liars that they could even suggest that this, or racist, that they could even suggest that this would come out from Wuhan, China. But now they're all backtracking. So at least some of them are. Some of the major ones are backtracking, saying that it is true. Um, hard, hard to um, live in a world where you have to disseminate what the truth is and what the lies are. Thank you. Lord Jesus, that you put your words in this book, which are truth and which we can stand on. The verse I wanted to share, biblical verse I wanted to share about lie, comes from Proverbs chapter 12, chapter 12 verse 22. I'll just, you don't have to turn there. I'll just go there and read it real quick. It's just short. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. For those of you that do, are taking notes, um, the other verses to look up about lies, biblical lies, or lies in the Bible, that speak of lies in the Bible, is John chapter 8, verse 44, and Revelation 21, verse 8. <coughs> to speak now of the truth that's in the Bible, the truth that we stand on, this truth that can guide our life, that um, when we seek it and disseminate the knowledge in here and the truths that are in here, what a change of heart comes in us. What a relief from the anxiety of what we face. And we can know and stand on all these truths that are written in here of God. The truth um, in John chapter 8 Verses 31 and 32, speaking of truth. And the fun part of this is John's book written here is filled with every one of the truth verses that I've written down to look up. So John, chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. You know these, you've read them, and they've been, we've been taught about them. Verse 
I'll just back it up to verse 31. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will, may be, you will be made free? Jesus answered them, most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Notice the contrast from this word and the, what's going out as truth now over the media, over social media, over the, the you know, newspapers, the news and all that. They want to enslave you with their lies, their lies that they tell us, but this word sets us free right here. The next one is John 14, 6. Just a couple of pages over. I'll just back it up by reading verse 5, starting with verse 5. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also, and from now on you know him and have seen him. John 16.13 However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. We've experienced that, that moment in our lives where the Holy Spirit reveals the truth to us. Um, I remember it a particularly hard time in my life. I was reading the Bible, and I was just wanting God to speak to me in some way, to just show himself powerful and show um, if it, the, the difficulty in my life been going on for a while, and I'm getting tired and beaten down, and now I, I just want him to show something to me in his word that, that just says, I've got everything under control. And what I'm going to share doesn't sound like it makes sense in my difficulty, but it was a truth revealed that I just fell in love with him again, and I felt I just cried, cried, because it was so good. And that's when the Pharisees confronted him about whose image, or when he says whose image is on this coin. When you get that answer and he says, you know, render unto Caesars what is Caesars, and what is render unto God what is God, only God could have given that perfect answer to that tough question. And boy, did I need that at that time and that truth at that time. And it was just so lifted the burden off of my shoulders. Didn't go away yet, but man, it made it more 
uh, tolerable to go through it, knowing he answered me about that. Truth is a victim here in this country. Truth is a victim in our homes, outside our homes, in our businesses, in our schools, in our institutions. Um, anything that you look at now on TV or listen to on the radio, it's very hard to find truth in what they're saying. But I'm glad that God reveals himself and his truth so powerfully in our word and in this word that we hold in our hand, that we have in our, you know, in our homes, in our cars, and sometimes even at our place of work. Um, another, another thing that we noticed going on in this country is all of the law breaking going on. I can't imagine in, in these cities where lawbreakers have taken control, where lawbreakers are now in rule of cities that at one time were healthy and strong. There is a passage in Matthew chapter 24. It's a biblical passage on lawbreakers. Matthew 24, verse 12, if you would just turn there with me. And I actually just want to back it up to verse 9 or verse 8. All these are the beginnings of sorrows. Verse 9 of Matthew 24 then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. 10, and then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many, and because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Lawlessness is going to grow and it continues to grow, and it continues to manifest itself in many cities of our country, in many institutions. The other um, verses to look up on lawlessness, biblical verses, are 1 John chapter 3, verse 4, and Matthew 23, verses 27 and 28. For the law abiding, in particular, this speaks of the governments that are put in charge over us. And that, the, one of the most uh, well-known is Romans 13, verses 1 through 5. It speaks of law-abiding and what you do with the, when you are living with a government that you may think is conflicting with your... Um, precepts and your, your desires to be godly. Chapter 5 of Romans, verse 1, Therefore, having been justified by faith, now let me go back there again. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for that. Chapter 13, Verse 1, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist 
are appointed by God. Verse 2, Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authorities? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister, an avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore, you must be subject not only because of wrath, but also for conscience' sake. <coughs> and the other one is in 1 Peter 2, 13 through 17. Therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to governors as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God. The key word in these, and the key word is, to governors as to those who are sent by him for punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. What if the government is the evildoer? What if it's our government that is doing many things that are immoral and go against our biblical teachings and God's teachings? What do we do then? God here just tells, tells us, that we have to submit ourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. There are biblical answers to this. The first one you'll find is in Exodus chapter 1. You know the story. The king of Egypt and all of Egypt, fearful for the size of the Israelites as they get bigger and bigger, are worried that they're going to align themselves with some other country and attack Egypt and conquer them. The king of Egypt, in chapter 1, verse 15, says, Then the king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives, of whom the name of one was Shephira, and the name of the other Pua. And he said, When you do the duties of a midwife for the Hebrew women, and see them on the birth stools. If it is a son, then you shall kill him. But if it is a daughter, then she shall live. But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the male children alive. So the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said to them, why have you done this thing and saved the male children alive? The midwives said, to Pharaoh because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are lively and give birth before the midwives come to them. Therefore, God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and grew very mighty, and so it was, because the midwives feared God that he provided households for them. They disobeyed the king's order. 
but they were not going to obey, disobey God. They were not going to go against them. And this is an example of where you can rightfully disobey your government if it's godly-based. Two other um, events that took place, of course, as you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, their disobedience of King Nebuchadnezzar, him wanting to worship the golden image where they refused. And in Daniel, I love their answer, because this is an answer from men who are just obedient to God, trusting in God, and don't care what happens to them. Shadrach, Meshach, uh, chapter 3, verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the golden image which you have set up. Direct disobedience to the king's order. But God blessed them. God saved them. God used these men to send a message to Nebuchadnezzar. And the other one you know in Daniel also is when he uh, was disobedient to the order of the king Darius, where he was for 30 days, nobody was to pray or petition anybody else but the king. And Daniel just went up to his room, opened his windows wide, and started praying to God. You know, that's why he was thrown in the lion's den. You disobeyed a direct king's order, but it didn't supersede God's order. And that's where God chose to bless, chose to bless those that were obedient to him instead of a corrupt and immoral king. Tyranny is going on right now, and I didn't think that would ever happen in this country, but COVID surely opened the door for tyranny to take place and maybe to continue. We know of the states that have done the lockdown, and some were more tyrannical than others. Um, California being one in specific that was unbelievable, to the point where no church services could be held, even outside in a parking lot. And they made it pretty obvious and pretty clear that while they gave some leeway to other businesses and other things, churches were not going to be exempt in any way. And they prevented or locked down every church there in, the area, in California. You were not allowed to get together at all, even in an open-air parking lot, in your car, even if you were alone there in your car. They finally sued and won in court, the Supreme Court, ruled against the state of California. But tyranny, there is a biblical verse about tyranny, and that's in Isaiah chapter 10, verses 1 and 2.
Woe to those who decree unrighteous decrees, who write misfortune, which they have prescribed, to rob the needy of justice, and to take what is right from the poor of my people, that widows may be their prey, and that they may rob the fatherless. Man, does that sound like today, doesn't it? It's just how God's word aligns with what is going on in our lives. The other ones, if you wanted to look up, two of them also come out of Isaiah. Isaiah 29, chapter 29, verse 20. Isaiah 49, verse 25. And Jeremiah 15, 21, speaking of tyranny. Freedom, well, we know where that comes from. And we know who gives the freedom. And in freedom... The first one I want you to look up is John 8, verses 32 and 36. John chapter 8, verse 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. Am I getting that right? Yeah, 30, 32 through 36, freedom. How can you say you will be made free? Jesus answered said to them, and most surely I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin, and a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. And the last is Galatians 5.1. Stand fast. Therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Speaking of uh, being unevenly yoked with an unbeliever, it almost always happens all the time. When you do, more of them rubs off on you than you rub off on them. And to be unevenly yoked with an unbeliever and entangled with one, you better be really strong. You better be really filled with the Holy Spirit to withstand what they want to do in dragging you down and dragging you the other way because they are so successful. And there are numerous times where we've had strong and faithful believers get just filthy dirty with being yoked to an unbeliever. Um, I want to share with you an unbeliever um, and a believer. We are, believe it or not, first time in our nation, well, maybe not the first time, but the number of people who have now 
since 1963, I believe it is, or 1968, the number of people in the United States who said they are Christian dropped from um, 250 million. They, they, that number has dropped by 93 million. So it was like 73% claimed they were Christian or said they were Christian. It's down now to 68%. And I think that's only going to go down more as we as time passes. This country is getting more and more away from God. Not, and so many things are replacing, they're worshiping other gods. But there, for an unbeliever, um, the biblical verse to look up is 2 Corinthians chapter 6, 14 through 15. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has the righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Baal? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? Again, doing that just opens you up to so many negative influences. And as the children of Israel opened themselves up to the many different gods from unbelievers um, and worshiped other gods, they paid a heavy price in their existence. For the believer, just beautiful verses though. In Romans chapter 8, 16, verses 16 and 17, you familiar with this one? The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. As heirs, as believers, this is a promise that we get from him that we're going to be glorified with him. We're going to be joint heirs in the kingdom of God in heaven, with him at all times. And the last one here is Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 6. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, for just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ, to himself according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. As a believer, these promises we can count on. We've had evidence of God's working in people's lives throughout this scripture. Witnesses who have shared what they've seen, what they've experienced, and what they have felt in the presence of God. And these promises that come for us that are believers 
are just beautiful treasures to dig into and to, and to meditate on and to put into our hearts and minds that these promises of what happens when we are with him as a believer in heaven. I love the fact that when you go to Revelation and what we can expect there in our favorite, one of our favorite chapters, 21, um, the new heaven and the new earth, the things that no more crying, no more hunger, no more pain. Um, the most important one of these things for me is no more sin. I'm not carrying that burden with me into heaven. I won't be guilty of sinning ever again when I get to heaven. I don't have to worry about being tempted to um, in any way. God is the protection and his delight in my life. He is the substance now of my body. He is the one that protects me. And there is no thought or desire or even a hint of sin in our bodies. Nothing of old comes with us into heaven. You know what? I know it seems like in this decade, in this, in this year, in the last few years, that we've been going through something really unique for ourselves. Except the Bible says something different. You know this. Um, we've just been through it not that long ago. And it's so appropriate for it now. This isn't unique to us. This has been, this is, you know, ancient history on these things, what we're facing. We may see it take form in a different way, but the word of God is true about what it says in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, 9 and 10. That which has been is what will be. That which is done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which it may be said, see, this is new? It has already been in ancient times before us. Remember that there was a time early in the history of mankind where it was to the point that God had to nearly wipe out the entire uh, life of everyone except for Noah because it was at the point where man, all of the wickedness of man was, was all that they knew, all that they spoke. And we're not there. I pray we never get there again. But it was, just shows you that this is something early in our history, that what we see and feel now, where hate has become ordinary, that's not nothing new. It's just made more easier to express. So how do we fight that? How do we fight and get an honest government, a, a world where God is not shunned in the schools, uh, a world where um, we can freely express our belief? Well, there is a verse in particular um, that I think gives us a strength and a power and the ability to have these things changed. And it's in James. You know this verse? James chapter 5, 
about the prayer, the fervent prayer of a righteous man will avail of much. And that is a strong and powerful tool for us. For us as believers, if we humble ourselves and if we seek God, he will heal our nation. It's a promise. And it's a promise that you see displayed throughout the history of the Bible, of the events that take place. And it's something open to us to utilize and open to us to, be, to take hold of. For God loves a praying people. He loves for his people to pray to him. And he can make that change where we go for where hate is so ordinary to where forgiveness has become ordinary, where love has become ordinary, and hate is done away with. Will it happen in my lifetime? I don't know. But if I start now, whoever follows after me, I hope that they're, they're in a generation where hate is not ordinary anymore and where man believes in the first two commandments, the two greatest commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is love your neighbor as yourself, just as important. That is what we can, that's what we can stand on. That's what we can change the things that go on in this world. We are the light to the world. We're not supposed to hide this stuff. And all that we go, wherever we go, wherever, whatever we are doing, may we be that light. May they see no hate within our hearts or in our minds or that as our countenance displays it, which is so easy for a lot. You know how easy it is? Well, I'll take you right, just back it up to Titus, how very easy it was for ourselves about hate. In Titus chapter 3, verse 3, I'll just start with one, though. Back it up with one. It says, remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men. For we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful, and hating one another. See how easy that was for us at one time to be that, to be filled with that? Um, and now our Lord and Savior does a work in us. A lot of times hate will rear its head so quickly, but that is for just a fleeting moment. And you're reminded by the Holy Spirit that is not of you, and this you do not carry in your heart. So I'm praying, and I pray that all of us from now on, if we want to see the change that we desire in our hearts, the work has to be done in us first before we can go make a big change in the country, even in this small area of this city, we can make this change by being on our knees seeking God and, ask, and praying and asking for his forgiveness, which shouldn't be a rare word anymore, should be used all the time. It is how you show love 
If someone asks for forgiveness, give it. If you have sinned against anyone or hurt anyone, ask for forgiveness. Amen? Father, we desire as your people to show love to the world, to not be fearful of the direction that we are heading. These are things of old. This is ancient history, nothing new under the sun. The deliverance is just what's changed, but the hate is still hate. Love is still love, and love can only come through you as you um, are in our hearts, as you and your word show us the importance and the sustaining life of love. We have no love. We have nothing. Father, just give you abundantly to all those who seek you and ask, and just ask, Lord, that um, to continue to encourage us in the things that we face. We are not powerless. We are children of God, and our power comes from you. In Jesus' name, amen.